today on Real Life Radio. The Bible was written about Jesus. Look at your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It's not about anyone else except Jesus. It's all about Jesus. How do you handle that? What do you do with that? Welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. On today's edition of Real Life Radio, Pastor Jack now continues his series called The Gospel of Luke with a message titled, What You Should Know About Jesus Christ. Now this series, The Gospel of Luke, gives us both the humanity and the divinity of Jesus as only Luke the physician really could. Here as we continue in chapter 4, we'll discover that Jesus is a prophecy fulfilled and a hope for salvation. Now you see, most people today have heard of Jesus and, and have formed an opinion about who he is. It was no different when Jesus walked on earth. Everybody had heard his name, they saw his power at work, they heard his teachings, and they knew where to find him. So today on this part of the message, Pastor Jack goes on to say that when we consider Jesus Christ, we need to look into our own lives. We simply can't be slow to believe in him. Every time we hear the good news and refuse him, and think about it, it might be for the very last time. Now in his message called, What You Should Know About Jesus Christ, here's pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs. You stop going to church once twice, three times, it begins to be a habit. And let me tell you, Satan will see to it. He greases the skids of that path you're on and you won't want to go. And look, let's be honest. We can think of a thousand reasons or more not to go to church. The game's on. It's too sunny. It's too cloudy. It's too warm. It's too cool. I don't have anything to wear. You know, whatever it is, I don't feel good. Whatever it might be. And these are the things that I can only think of for me, you know. <laughs> Lord, I don't want to go today. Jack, you got to go. You're delivering the message. <laughs> you know, okay. But we can think of reasons. What is your manner of living? What is your manner of life? We need to be very careful. Let's be careful, church. Let's be careful that we don't fall in and become that prophetic warning of Jesus himself. In Matthew 13, when Jesus said in verse 22 that there are those who receive the word of God. They receive it. But in time, the cares of the world and the pursuit of riches steal out the word and they become unprofitable and they're cut off as a branch and thrown into the fire. They become worthless to God. What are the things that trip them up? The cares of this world, i.e. Southern California and all that surrounds us and the pursuit to be rich. That's the desire of the world. If I were only rich... The Bible says that those who pursue riches pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Is that not true? That doesn't mean if you're rich that, you know, you're cursed. God has blessed you. Just don't make it the focal point of your life. It's very important. Well, look at the second consideration people heard from him. Look at verse 16. People knew what to expect from him when they heard from him. And when he had opened the book, he's got, he's got the book of Isaiah. By the way, can you hold your finger right here in Luke 4? And can you turn to Isaiah 61? It's just about right smack in the middle of your Bible. Isaiah chapter 61. And I need you to turn there. I'm going to show you why. Um, to me, what I'm about to show you is kind of romantic to me. 
It's kind of awesome. Isaiah 61, when you get there, I want you to look at it with a real uh, sense of appreciation and awe. While you're turning there, it sounds like an ocean of water flowing, by the way. It's beautiful. Jesus looked at this page that you're looking at. Doesn't that give you like goosebumps? Jesus looked at the page you're looking at 2,000 years ago. It was almost 1,000 years old when Jesus read it. 3,000 years ago, Isaiah spoke these things by the Holy Spirit speaking through him. Now Jesus reads it, and now you and I are looking at what Jesus was reading 2,000 years ago, and this is what he read. But it was going to be different this day. People knew what to expect. They knew Jesus was going to say the Bible, quote the Bible, but not this. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Somehow, church, look, he made it personal. He's simply reading Isaiah 61, but he goes like this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He spoke to the people caringly. He spoke to the people with firsthand knowledge. He was God's word speaking to them. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he says to them, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That word poor means exactly what you think the word poor means. Those who can't buy it got to hear it. Those who thought they could never see heaven, it was going to be given to them for free. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he, the Bible says, closed the book. They had heard him speak and quote the Bible in a way that they had never seen or heard before. Jesus begins to read the, from the book of Isaiah like they had never heard. And he started it by saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I have that marked in my Bible because I love this next thing. Never in the ministry of the prophets did any prophet ever say, behold, I say to you, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Micah, Isaiah. What did they say? They said, thus saith the Lord. Every time when God was going to speak to the nation, he spoke to the prophet and the prophet would say, thus saith the Lord. In other words, the prophet's not saying it. Are you with me? I'm just the messenger. The Lord is saying, and he's just a conduit. Don't ever say Jesus was a very great prophet. Jesus never said, Jesus never once said, thus saith the Lord. Did you know that? Not once. What did he say? Verily, verily, I say unto you. Truly, truly, I say unto you. He was the Lord. It would have been inaccurate for him to say, thus saith the Lord. He was the Lord. That's why he said, I say to you. I love it. He speaks with authority. He announces to them, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. By the way, in Micah chapter 3, verse 8, the Bible there says that I'm full of power by the Holy Spirit. Micah the prophet said. So Jesus makes this announcement. Well, listen, never underestimate the exactness of your Bible, ever. Those of you who have your fingers still in Isaiah 61, look at verses 1 and 2. Look at the uh, beginning of verse 2 of Isaiah 61. Jesus is speaking it again. And of course, Luke 4, and he says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's where your message in Luke stops, right? There's a comma there. In Luke's gospel, you ought to circle that comma. In Isaiah 61, verse 2, 
he goes on and says, and the day of the vengeance of our God. This is spectacular. Why? Isaiah 61 verses one and two, the bulk of verse two is about the first coming of Christ. It's a very amazing verse. It's about the first coming of Christ. Jesus quotes it. Okay, and then there's a comma and he announces the vengeance of God. What is that all about? That's the judgment of God. That's the second coming. Not the rapture, the second coming. When Christ returns the second time, the Bible says it's the terrible day of our great God. It is an awesome day. The second coming is a day when the people begin to try to run and hide from the wrath of the Lamb of God. We've all read that. We all know that. The second coming of Christ is terrible to the world. Completely different than the rapture. When Jesus Christ came the first time, he announces the kingdom and there's a comma. And that comma has held back the judgment of God for the last 2,000 years. When the second coming happens, when Jesus Christ, Revelation chapter 19, comes out of heaven with the church, that comma is going to be released and the vengeance of God will be unleashed upon the earth. So read your Bible carefully. Watch every period, every comma. Didn't Jesus say, I've come? And not one jot or one tittle, that is the Hebrew language, a little hyphen or a little comma, will not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Thank God he stopped at that comma. You and I would have been in deep trouble if he wouldn't have stopped at that comma. And so, look at our third and final point. What you should know about Jesus Christ is this, that people were going to hear about him. They heard of him, casually, They heard from him, had to be awesome. They now heard his message, this wonderful declaration of setting people free and releasing them. And if you're taking notes, the announcement was to preach the gospel to the poor. Number two, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate those that are impressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord or the now. The now. Isn't that amazing? More on that in a moment. As we looked at this portion, verses 20 to 22, the people were going to hear about him, all right. Well, look at verses 20 to 21. The people, or I should say, the Bible is about Jesus. It's about Jesus Christ. Look what it says. Then he closed the book. The word technically is he didn't have a book like you and I have a book. You know, he rolled up the scroll. It's a scroll. He rolled up the scroll. And he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed upon him. And that's a beautiful thing. Look at this. You guys, their eyes fixed upon him means to gawk. You know, gawk. Stop gawking, your mom would say to you. Stop staring. It means the people are like this. Their mouths are wide open. Their eyes are huge. (laughs) They're like, and in this amazing moment, they They were hearing from Jesus. His fame had been spread abroad. He was there in their midst. But he's now he's speaking. He quotes the Bible, reads the Bible with incredible authority. It's coming to life just with him speaking it. All of our eyes were fixed on him. We'd never heard anything like this before. There was a hush and a silence in the synagogue. And because of who he is, The people were expecting something to happen any moment. Wherever Jesus is, there's no boredom. Wherever Jesus is, something's going to happen. 
And so their eyes were fastened upon him and their mouths were open and their eyes were huge. And so would have been our eyes and mouths if we would have been there. And he says something that absolutely would have had to freak you out. He says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. (laughs) That's it. This is going to set the whole rest of this ministry of Jesus is on fire. He quotes the scripture. And somebody in the back, they might have even given him, you know, the golfer's clap. Have you ever seen the golfer's clap? It's like this. (laughs) Courtesy clap. (laughs) So nice. That was a nice reading. Didn't he read nice? I thought it was very nice what he read. It's very nice and he said it's so nice. Cheerio. Uh, Just super duper, Jesus. That's really great. Everything's fine. You know what? Up until this moment, eh, it could have been a mixed multitude. Nobody would have known until he says this. Today, is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? You're hearing about it because it's happening now. Can you imagine the elbows going? What? Did you hear him? This is amazing. He's saying, I'm the anointed one. The one that's going to set the captives free, it's me. The one that's going to heal the brokenhearted, it's me. You see why from this moment on, people plotted on killing him. You say, well, why would they kill him? Is this good news? That's exactly the closing argument of this message today. Why would they scheme such a silly thing? His fame was everywhere. People knew that he changed lives. His words were wonderful words. So what's the problem? And I'm asking you, so what's the problem? He still changes lives. His words are wonderful. He says the word, the Bible's about me. So what's your problem with him? You see, the fact when when Jesus says that he's the one, people who are in great need, they say, thank you, God, for sending us deliverance. But there are those who say, you know, I can do this on my own. Thank you. I mean, it's nice for some people. Maybe some of you weak people, Jack. It's good for you. But I can do this on my own. You see, Jesus' very existence flies in the face of pride. His very name implies that you need him. That's why the world hates him today. The world hates him today because his very name which isn't even mentioned in a movie causes people to write nasty criticisms about him because it could mean something about us needing this Jesus and that is a just too offensive today's the scripture fulfilled in your hearing the bible says in john 5:39 jesus said it to the pharisees he says you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life but these are they which do testify of me Isn't that something? The Bible speaks about me, Jesus says. In Psalm 40 and in Hebrews 10, the Bible says, behold, in the volume of the book, it is written of him. What do you think of that? In Luke chapter 24, verse 25, Jesus said, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken, should not have Christ suffered these things before he enters into his glory? And from the beginning of Moses, that's Genesis, through the prophets, Jesus expounded to them from the scriptures the things concerning himself. 
The Bible was written about Jesus. Look at your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It's not about anyone else except Jesus. It's all about Jesus. How do you handle that? What do you do with that? You can argue with it all you want. Go ahead and form your opinion. It just needs to be biblical. Well, who says? God. In the end, he's the judge. Is your opinion of Christ biblical? Well, I don't know. I kind of pick and choose what I like. Then it's not biblical. The Bible does not contain God's word. The Bible is God's word. There's a big difference. You can't pick and choose. Now, look, listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul agrees with Luke. Paul says, For I delivered to you first of all that which I received from Christ, that he died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again from the dead on the third day, according to the scriptures, the Bible. Acts chapter 17 says, And Paul the apostle reasoned among them, for three Sabbath days, reasoning with them from the scriptures and explaining and demonstrating to them concerning Christ and that Jesus, whom they preached, was indeed the Christ. Amazing. So your opinion is being formed about Jesus. And I want to challenge you, which way is that opinion going? Verse 21, uh, people were not only going to be hearing about him and hearing of him and hearing from him. But look at verse 21. The beautiful thing that they're going to hear about Jesus and from Jesus is that Jesus is, listen, about us. He's about you. He's about you and I. You say, what do you mean? It says, today is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. And what you don't get in a casual read is what's implied here in the scripture. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus announced this, uh, you know we use this statement, oh, the cat's out of the bag? What does that mean? Well, have you ever tried to put a cat back inside of a bag? <laughs> Go, I, try it, and it's not going to happen. That's like putting toothpaste back inside the tube. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Jesus makes this announcement. These are the characteristics of the kingdom. And having said that, the scripture is fulfilled today in your hearing. And the word implies from this moment on, the cat's out of the bag. The gospel will be preached until the end. Which means in a true biblical meaning, today is this hearing in your ears. On this 29th day of this month. You say, nah, I, don't think, I don't know. What was, he, what was he saying anyway? What? Be careful. When the message announces that Jesus does these things, you need to respond. Watch this. He says that he's come to preach the gospel to the poor. The word is monetarily distressed. Those are poverty stricken. Jesus says the word goes to them. Do you have a problem with that, anybody? Do you have a problem with Jesus preaching to poor people? If you have a problem with that, you're a real weirdo. Number two, he says he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. The word brokenhearted in, he, in Greek means emotionally devastated or severely hurt feelings. Have you ever been emotionally devastated or had severely hurt feelings? The Bible says, Jesus says, I, I've come to take care of that. Do you have a problem with that? I've, he says, I've come to fix that brokenness in your heart. Wow. 
He says, I've come to proclaim liberty to those that are captive. The word means to free you from guilt, to set you free. That's exactly what we need. He says, the spirit of God has sent me to bring recovery of sight to the blind. This is amazing. The word in the Greek and in the Hebrew. Isaiah 61, it means my father has sent me to heal you so you can see again. Did you hear that? So you can see what? Again. It's amazing. It, it means humanity. Listen to me. You're going to do better because if you accept me, I'm going to allow you to see like man was supposed to see back then. You can see now. You can see again. What's he referring to? When Adam and Eve walked face to face with God, spiritually, you're going to be walking with God. You'll be able to see again. Isn't that exciting? Liberty. To bring those to liberty who were oppressed. The word oppressed means wrecked by life, crashed, wrecked by life. It's the thought of a cart going down the hill and crashing into a wall. There's people in this audience, an audience this size that have felt like that. My life is crashed. There's no hope for me. My life's over. Everything I've touched, I've ruined. You're broken, aren't you? I am broken. Jesus says, I've come to heal that in your life and I've come to set your life on a course that will not crash. That's what I do, Jesus says. That's what I love to do. What's wrong with that? You see, people form their opinions. Oh, this Jesus, this Jesus. They don't even know who they're speaking about. They don't even know him. Don't give me that, Jesus. What do you have against him? And in my life, when I've talked to people, don't give me that, Jesus. Why? What's, what's, a, what's the problem? Listen to this. I went to church once, and the pastor ripped me off. I went to church once, and my Sunday school teacher slapped me. I went to church once, and, you know, they, everyone's got their excuse. You know what? I didn't ask you about your church. Jesus is not asking you, how's it going? He's telling you, I'll fix it. And when you look to people and when you look to churches and you look to things, it'll never work. Did you know God made it that way? You look to people and things, it will never work. You've got to look to Jesus. You've got to hang on to Jesus. He's the one. And yet people misinterpret the name Jesus because they look at something that happened to them in some spiritual work. And then they take that ill that man has done to them, be it justified or not, if their perception of it is right or wrong, no one will ever know, but God knows. Go to Jesus. What is it, my friend, this morning you would have against him? Whatever it is, it is a pathetic argument because he loves you. Are you and I willing today to say, you know what, I need this, Jesus. This is what I need. Pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs, here on Real Life Radio with his message called, What You Should Know About Jesus Christ. Thanks for being with us today. You know, this message, What You Should Know About Jesus Christ, is part of Pastor Jack's new series called The Gospel of Luke. It's a series on the book of Luke and the unveiling of Jesus Christ to this world. And we'll continue on the next edition of Real Life Radio. You know, many Christians struggle with end times prophecy. Like trying to put a giant puzzle together, it really can be difficult, almost impossible to figure out. But every puzzle can be solved if you approach it the right way. 
Pastor Jack's Book of the Month is called Understanding End Times Prophecy by Paul N. Benware, who compares prophecy to a picture puzzle. You have to put the edge pieces together first to build the framework, making it easier to see the big picture. So if you want end times prophecy more accessible on subjects like the rapture, the great tribulation, the millennial kingdom, get ready to stand in awe of our God's truly awesome plan for mankind. Understanding End Times Prophecy by Paul N. Benware is yours for a gift of any amount, and it's available at our website, jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Life Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Life Radio.